This is Pastor Matt at North Plinko Baptist Church. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Not Another Revelation Podcast. We hope you guys enjoy. So, Revelation chapter 9. Wow, what a chapter. Yeah, it's, it, there's a lot going on here. We've talked about often how uh, <clears throat> we go through some stages in Revelation where, hey, there's some really cool things that we can find a lot of joy in. Um, and then you're going to come to some stuff that's pretty bad, and it kind of goes back to some more, some really joyful, really good times, and then we come back to this moment where, oh, Lordy, it, it's, it, it's rough. It's ugly. So, Whoa, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. We knew, we knew it was going to be bad because we just had this eagle flying overhead going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. So we know it's going to be bad. And we, we have to go, we have to get, go into some language stuff that's going to be a little, little complicated, a little difficult. And so I'm going to go ahead and start out this podcast by saying we're not going to make it all the way through chapter nine. <laughs> In fact, I'm thinking that we're probably going to get to the first woe which ends in chapter 11, I mean, verse 11 of chapter 9. So we're going to try for that. Um, so let's go ahead and dig in. And um, so we just had the eagle fly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. And then we get the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fall, fallen from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. So the first thing that we've got to run into, is, we're going to run into is, if you're reading along with any translation, it probably says something different because you've got uh, you've got some confusion going on here um, linguistically. Well, why does a star have a personal pronoun? It was one of the first things that we looked at. I know we'll talk, we'll get into this and talk about it, but uh, this is one of the things that we looked at when we were studying last night with the students. Was okay. So why all of a sudden we've mentioned stars, things like stars, whether it be some. Um, for lack of a better term, space junk or whatever it is that happens right. in some of the other things before, whether it be asteroids or comets or however we see that play out. But all of a sudden, there's this usage of star, but then in the next verse and in the next two verses, actually, the star has a personal pronoun, which is that's the, that has to happen. And so it, it obviously sets up a flag that, hey, okay, this is something different than what we've seen. And for those of you that, that don't know or didn't hasn't hadn't caught this in New Testament, so there's there's a word, it's where we get the New Testament word for evangelism, uh, and th- that word is translated, sometimes it's translated as star, sometimes it's translated as angel, sometimes it's translated as messenger. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all, and if you think about it now, that, that would make sense because all, God used a star to lead the, right. the wise right. men, and so that would be a messenger that's announcing that Jesus is coming. And so I, I get why there's some overlap there. In this particular verse, the word that's being used is aster, it almost always means a star. Yeah, it, it's it's almost always uh, used as a star in a constellation. Here's a star. So it's not that word that we can kind of uh, we can jihaw with and say, well, maybe it's really an angel. Maybe it, in fact, in when uh, Jesus says, write these letters to the angels of the churches. If you look at that as messenger of the churches, then it, it seems like what Jesus is saying. And I've always thought that the letters are being addressed to the pastor of right, the church. Right, yeah, right. So it, it's easy to kind of go, okay, so I, I get why there's some confusion here. But in this case, John uses aster. Now, recognize that in this entire chapter, John is struggling to describe what he's seeing. And so he's going to use the word like. 14 times. Well, and we talked about this again last night with our students. Was we were describing some of the locusts and the things that we get into describing. Again, one of the this is a moment where um, commentators will park it here because we like to try to figure out oh, yeah. kind of what's going on. And oh, this is this is a helicopter and this is what oh, it, this gosh. is. And it was like, <laughs> yes. John has no, and yes, John hadn't seen a helicopter, but to me, like after what we see, like we don't. I can't I can't put together I can't piece together the things that I see here and make this into something like this is something that we've never seen before right and this is something I think this is something like that God has ordained and dedicated for these days and these days only and it's going to be something that completely rocks even the best assumption that we could come up with that these things that we see so as we step into this we want to remember our our hermeneutic rule we're looking for the simplest most obvious explanation when available and what would the original audience have originally figured he was saying and so in the first century he says and i saw a star 
he's trying to describe what he's seeing. It's something bright. It's something that's out of this otherworldly, I guess is a better way to put it than out of this mm-hmm. world. It's it, it he, he's really reaching here for a description. Now, um we also have this word fallen. Now, uh, a lot of the commentators are going to try to say, okay, so a star, Satan is the morning star, it's fallen, and in the Greek, he uses a perfect active participle verb. Perfect active. We don't have, uh, we do not have a verb tense like that in English, which mm-hmm. is why in the King, the uh, ESV it says, has fallen. In your King James, it's going to say it a little bit differently. They're reaching for something so perfect means it's completed, mm-hmm. but it's active, so it's happening now. Yeah. So again, there's we don't have anything in English to describe that, and so our translators have have struggled with exactly how to word this, and what this leaves us with is either the two main ideas that people run with is that this is Satan mm-hmm. uh, because he's a star that had fallen and is continually fallen fallen um and so you in english if we say somebody fell that can be used one of two ways and it can be used the same way in greek so if i said uh hey i was uh climbing up a ladder and uh i fall i fell then you assume that that means from the context that i was up high and then i physically am now low right we also use the term and it's used in the New Testament as, okay, if I said, uh, there, there's a pastor in our community, and, uh, man, he was a great guy, but he's fallen. We all know what that what I'm implying with that right. and what I'm saying. We're not saying that he fell off of a ladder, he fell off of a countertop. Mm-hmm. We're saying that he morally has, has, has fallen. Same thing in Greek. You can take it either way. And so some commentators try to, try to point to this and say, okay, in Luke 10... Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So that, that would cover both. Um, and that in Luke, uh, in Revelation 12, referring to Satan, he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil Satan, the deceiver of the whole earth. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So one, a lot of commentators are going to read this and say, this angel is Satan. The alternate view, which is the one that I take, is that this is the same angel that we'll see in Revelation 20, and then I saw an angel coming down, which is a different way to say the same thing, uh, coming down from heaven, holding in his hand a key, in this text he has a key, uh, and a key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. He sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, uh, who is the devil and Satan, so it can't be the same people, bound him for a thousand years and threw him in the pit. So I believe that there is an angel. He's, his job is he is the keeper of this shaft. He's got a ring of keys. He's like a janitor. I mean, everybody's seen the janitor with the big ring of keys. <laughs> we're, we're, we see him here in Chapter 9 unlocking the pit, letting some things out. We're going to see him in Chapter 20 unlocking the same shaft and putting Satan in the same shaft. And so I think that we're physically talking about that there's some place on earth, don't know where, not trying to find it. I'm not Indiana Jonesing here, but there is some physical location on earth that there's a locked shaft that goes to the bottomless pit. Um, and, and some commentators really want to get into detail about the fact that if you were to drill a hole all the way through the earth because of the way gravity works, you would never, you wouldn't, jump in the hole in Kansas and come out in China that you would kind of go back and forth in the gravitational pull. And so this, I don't think John knows that that's what's going on. I don't think John cares and I don't care how it's a bottomless pit. If it goes into the earth. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's getting in my mind, that's getting a little too far. Um, I, I think that if we just read this literally as close as we can to literally that there's an angel literal, uh, He's being described as a star because John sees him, sees this bright thing coming down from the sky. He's got a key. As you said, it's, 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 you, you have a personal pronoun that's being yeah. used. He unlocks this pit, um, and when the, he opens it, 
smoke starts coming out. Now, well, and, and I, before we kind of move on, because I know this kind of jumps ahead, because I kind of wanted to figure this out as I saw both of these while studying for this. In in verse eleven, which again I know kind of jumps ahead, is this mention is that mentioning the same angel that has this key, all of that, where it says, uh, and they have them over when the, they have over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in, he, in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek called Apollyon. Is this the same person? Is this different? Because I think it's is, a different person. Okay, I think that, that this horde of demons that's going to come out in the smoke has a head demon um, because there's a negative com- connotation with. Abaddon and Apollyon. Right, being the destroyer. And so I kind of can piece that together. And that's kind of what I was figuring out. I was like, okay, well, that seems that 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 one points to me as like the enemy, and this one may not. And but it's there's still both referencing that bottomless pit there. So that's one of the things I was trying to figure out. I was like, okay, who is who? And that's one of the biggest things, even who's studying this, I mean, like this is I mean, it is easy to get caught up in all the is it, is it not, all of those right, things right, here. Right. And, and so I, I, I think that there's there's an angel that's a good angel because he's the one that's going to go take Satan. Right. He's got a key to this pit. He's commanded by God to come down, unlock it, release this horde of demons that's going to come out looking like locusts here mm-hmm. in a little bit. Um, and he's responsible for that pit, just like the, the, the four living creatures are responsible to be at God's throne saying, holy, holy, holy. Right that there are angels who are given responsibilities over stuff on the earth. We, we see that throughout the Bible. In this particular case, this angel's job is to make sure that this demon horde is held back until right. the time appointed. Um, is he the same angel that's going to do kind of sort of the same thing later in Revelation? That, that gets into the straight up, I don't know. Yeah. So what we do see and what we do know is... Um, whether you fall on the side of this as Satan unlocking the pit or because we do know that Satan has to obey God. When in the book of Job, he comes to God and says and tries to manipulate the Lord into letting him uh, hurt Job. Which is just a funny conversation to me, which is, I mean, like in a way that like Satan, the enemy, who knows, okay, this isn't, this, he, this isn't going to work out, but he's going to go. He's going to go to the Lord and says, "Hey, how about how about you just how about you just slide me this one and like just try to like literally tries to pull one over skin and it for just, skin. It, it gets me. It, yeah. it makes me. It makes me chuckle every time. Uh, and, and like God's going to miss something. Yeah, it's like oh, you man, know he that He me. made you. He right? got me. <laughs> so, um, whether you believe that this is Satan and he has to obey God, or whether you believe that this is a good angel. And he is the guard, which is I fall on the good angel side. Um, it, it's really immaterial to, to what's going to happen to the the story that's going to happen because this angel opens the, the the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. So, uh, in a, another lifetime ago, I worked for Drum, Drum and Cold, and one of the subsidiaries to Drum and Cold was a company called ABC Coke. And I, I, I can distinctly remember in Coke production, what they do is they have these rail lines that go into the manufacturing plant, and they would take a rail car that was specially designed for this, and they would fill it with coal. Mm-hmm. And then they would uh, have coils in the bottom of that, that rail car, and then they would superheat that coal. So it's, it, 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 would, it would start burning. And... Uh, it was having a- oxygen being forced into it, so it's burning really hot. Yeah. Um, and once it got to a certain temperature, a certain consistency, uh, and it was literally to the point that the rail car would be glowing red. They would suck all the air out of that cart, and then they, they in the process, it was called quenching. And they would douse it with water as they're sucking the air out of it so that it was under high pressure, and the moment that that happened, it was this crazy explosion almost of, of uh, smoke and ash. And if it, there was any cloud cover and at night, it was the, the most eerie looking thing to see because mm-hmm. you would see the reflection off the bottom of the clouds of this glow. Yeah. And you had this black smoke that would come billowing up that was probably great for the environment, great for me to be breathing, that uh, would c- come boiling out of this thing. And uh, th- whenever I read this, I think of that that vision in my mind of the smoke just rolling out so that it so much so that it looks like a cloud. Um, and 
if you've ever seen pictures of a volcanic explosion, you know that when ash and stuff gets thrown up in the air really suddenly, the same process that causes lightning to occur from the friction between the air molecules and the dust in the the volcanic ash will cause lightning. I mean, mm-hmm. it's crazy if and I'm, you can Google Google image for volcanic eruptions to see lightning striking in the middle of this volcano yeah. where you already have molten stuff getting thrown right. everywhere. Yeah. This is the vision that John is seeing here. You've got rolling smoke, you've got fire, and you've got lightning all at the same time happening. Literally, literally all hell is breaking loose. For sure. Well, and something that I thought was really cool while studying this was we see this bottomless pit that's locked. And so to me, like it says, okay, so this is like... This is locked. It has, and there's there's somebody guarding it. So this is not like a, this is not like an in between. Like it's not like you know you get like you know get out of jail free car for a little bit and you get to come back. Like this isn't like a time served kind of thing. Like there's demons in here for a specific time for this specific purpose. And then uh, looking at this, I was studying and we just look at chapter eight. I mean Luke chapter eight. Uh, when Jesus goes into the cave and he casts out the demons and they said they're legion and when they when G, when they when Jesus approaches them he said they say hey please please don't throw us into what they say is the abyss which is also used in this phrase as bottomless pit and it's like hey even the demons are like hey hey, hey we, we any anywhere but but this place like right. any, anywhere but here like I, we we'd really not like to go there right. because because like literally it's just but it, it's crazy to think and the students last night got a really like it's gonna open their eyes like even the demons are really scared of these really really like really really bad demons like because it is just a different kind of thing that we haven't seen before and again even the demons say hey you know jesus if you could we'll do anything we're like we'll go anywhere else just please please not there don't send us there uh and and so that was really cool for us to see is like that same word for bottomless pit and uh, what the demons use as abyss is is used in the same thing here uh, which i thought was uh, was really cool and that even the demons say hey we just anywhere but with those guys please no <laughs> yes yes so Let's go ahead and and jump off into these locust, scorpion, abalon crazy things. Love it. Okay, so there are some commentaries that reach really hard to try to just to say that these are this is a military force, right? Um, That's probably the the most predominant one that I'd seen everybody try to do, other than actually try to piece together what this locust long-haired kind of thing would look like right. in, in our eyes. But everybody, a lot of other guys were looking at, oh, these are helicopters, these are tanks, these are whatever, and, and try to make this some military conquest type thing. And I will admit, okay, so when I was in the Marine Corps, I remember the first time I worked in artillery, which is uh, essentially great big cannon kind of guns. I remember the first time I was exposed to a particular type of projectile. It's called a flechette. And so what it does is you you shoot this up in the air and then it blows up and then out of this this in the middle of the air it's an airburst weapon thousands of they look like needles but if you spin them in your fingers these razor like edges come out. Mm. And so they're designed to where when it bursts in the air that as they fall those little things on the side come out and it makes like millions of these little arrows that come through the air that you wouldn't see. Right. It would just be all of a sudden you're dead. And I remember being this being described in a you know in a in a classroom somewhere and thinking, what kind of sick person thought of this? That was sitting around going, you know what we could do? We could take <laughs> have these little razors that just like start killing people out of nowhere. And so I will admit that there are some of the weaponry that's used um, is why someone would look at these and say, okay, the, the human capacity to be evil to each other is almost without limit. I mean, hey, it means some some of the, again, the, the, the minds that we have in our military, which in moments I'm thankful for, is next level. I mean, it really is. I mean, I, I recently was reading about a, a weapon that comes out of a drone that is literally a paper weapon so, that can penetrate a car and out of it can come a sword to kill one person. So the idea is, is that we can target one guy and not kill everybody else in the car. Wow. And so I understand how maybe a commentator is has read about some of this weaponry and they're thinking, again, the human capacity to be evil and wicked and destroy each other is pretty pretty good. I mean, 
to me, you even read about World War One. Some of the trench weapons that got that yeah. just dudes made, where they take a baseball bat and cut it in half and put mm-hmm. nails in it, mm-hmm. and and you know what? I, I I think I would rather come up against a flechette than yeah, some, like this is like this is like like tables, ladders, and chairs like gone absolutely wild. Like this is insane. <laughs> absolutely, but I think that John's description of this and the fact that um, people are crying out for their lives to be taken. I believe that this is just a demon horde. Yeah, well, again, as we look into this in that particular verse, and then at the end of this chapter uh, in verse 20, I don't want to spoil it because I know we'll get there next week, but uh, this this one so far out of everything just absolutely breaks me because I see how bad it is for all of humankind. I mean, we look at just from a number standpoint when uh, the, the next trumpet blows and more people die, and then we look at the numbers of the earth, like literally from the start of this, like half the earth is gone. Like they're right. dead or raptured, one of the two. And yet at the very end, there are still people who will not repent. And like all of that mixed with there's people who are trying to kill themselves and can't just absolutely breaks me to see, to A, see the links that which God will go to get his people to repent because Revelation says repent more than any other time, any other book in the Bible. And to see the heart of our father to get his people and his children to repent and then see the wickedness of our, of our hearts and our stubbornness and our hard heartedness to say, no, I know better. I've got it figured out. I know all this stuff's going on. No, I'm good. I'd rather do it this way, which just absolutely breaks me. It, it is amazing. And it blows my mind on one hand, and on the other hand, I look at my own heart and how stubborn I am. Oh, for sure. And and how I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And yet there are times when I'm just going to say, no, I got this, God. I don't need your help. Let me let me roll with it. And thing after thing after thing. Uh tries to call me to repentance, and yet I, in my hard heart, and, and there seems to be an awareness of mankind that this is a God-sent plague, whether it's the eagle that's flying over said saying, ah, whoa, or whether, whether it's the nature of the locust scorpion things that we're about to describe, and yet it's almost like a defiance lack of repentance yeah at this point it's just the it's just the kid the, the, the kid or whatever who says yeah I know that I've stepped in it but I'm gonna keep on I'm gonna go ankle deep in this because I'm gonna make a point exactly tell me what to do right all right so let's get into the description so so from the smoke of this furnace that's released once the 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 Custodian comes down and unlocks the door. Custodian. <laughs> I, in my mind, I could just picture this angel with like a big silver is he pu- key. Ring. Is he pushing one of the mop carts too? <laughs> yes, yeah, right. he is. <laughs> and he pulls the key out, you know, and it's got a chain on it. Zweet. Okay. Anyway, we jumping off that tour. So he opens this thing, and then from the smoke came. Okay, so we're we're getting some description here. Locusts on the earth. They were given power like the power of the scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were were allowed to torment mankind for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. So literally we have the expression... People know that they would be better off dead. Right. So let's, okay, so John is trying to describe something, and he describes it first with the term locust. Now, what we're going to do is kind of step back to first century uh, Central Asia and look at, or southeast, uh, Southwest Asia, and look at what kind of locusts they would experience. So locusts are... Uh, swarming critters. They are, it's bad news. We read in Exodus, the locusts came up all over the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. So it's a di- such a dense swarm of locusts as had never been before, nor will ever be again. They covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened and they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees uh, that the hail had left, and not a green thing remained. So as I was reading about locusts in, in, in the Middle East, it's crazy to me how how even today, with all that we know about uh, etymology and, how, and, and the idea of locust swarms, we don't understand other than, you know, rain and temperature, how 
uh, just a group of, of crickets essentially can all of a sudden become this swarm. But yeah. when it happens, oh wow! This is, and again, I was studying this, and I'm always a weird fan of like school mascots and things like that, and really strange ones. And you know, like even even here in our with our local high school, we've got an insect as our mascot, but then no one is the fighting locusts. And real and honestly, like. Again, it's a little bit intimidating. I mean, like, cause I, you guarantee it. This this little locust, these little locust people right here, that'd be my mascot. We're gonna come up with something that looks like this bad boy, <laughs> and that is pretty stinking scary. So if you're out there and you're listening, and your local high school, community college, or college is the fighting locust, please let me know. Send me a t-shirt. I would love that, but I, I don't know of one. So, as I was reading about locust swarms or hordes. They will even consume a home that's painted green. That's insane. They they get in this feeding frenzy and a light on green lush place, and when they move on, it looks like desert. They eat anything that's green, anything that's living. They normally don't uh, hit hit uh, um, mammals and and people. But anything that they could possibly eat that's green, they completely and totally consume it. So these locusts are these locust-like things, and I think that the idea of the locusts is the fact that they swarm, that millions of it's something yeah, that a ton of them. I have never walked outside and seen a grand <clears throat> grasshopper and been like, ah, yeah. But a million grasshoppers all at once lighting on me would freak me out you get that group coming on me like that like they do in bugs life and i'm just not about it because yeah, those no. those are, those are not fun looking so you you've got swarming like that you there are little if you've ever seen a flight of blackbirds here in alabama in the in the uh winter when they're flying and that that group of 10,000 birds moves like one. Yeah. So you've got this idea there's purpose, there's design, they're moving together, and they are moving over the whole earth. Now, here's some place where you can find a little bit of joy. God's still in control because he tells them you can't, you cannot attack trees, grass, living uh, trees. Which is antithetical to locusts because that's what they do. Right, right. But God is still in control, definitely, because what they attack are people. They're limit. God has limited them. Like God has given them only. Like you, He's kind of put them in a box of what they can do. That God is still or- the orchestrator of all of these things. And so there. It, then it goes on for as as again. John is groping to describe this. He first starts out with locusts. So we have purpose. We have intent. We have swarms. We have um, the man being powerless. I mean, I, I when I was preparing to, to teach on this in the church, I went out and I found these videos of different methods that have been used to try to combat locusts, and nothing works. Yeah. I mean, you can spray bug spray from helicopters, and it might kill a million of them, but when you're dealing with 600 million, it's a drop in the bucket. And it mm-hmm. doesn't have any impact. And so I, I saw video of these farmer subsistence farmers in Africa running through their field with with sticks and blankets trying to run them off and just the heartbreaking nature of the fact that they know that these locusts are going to eat everything and they're not going to get to eat. Yeah. And so these guys running around with sticks and 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 their little kids with blankets trying to scare them off cuz they're just like any other bug when you approach it they just fly out kind of out of your reach. Uh, if you you've never really had fun unless you've chased a, that one fly around <laughs> the bedroom when you're trying to sleep in and that it's eight one, o'clock and you, that one stupid little moth that came in from the night before. Yeah, so millions and upon millions, billions of these. Uh, so we have that, and then the description moves to um, they're like scorpions. Okay, so that gives us pause because scorpions and locusts are nothing alike. And how is one a locust, but also a scorpion? And like in my in my one track mind, I'm kind of figure out. Okay, so what 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 is this? What in the world is going on? Well, and they're also described as like their horses. So. Yeah. So I mean, okay. So uh, from the locust description, I think what we've gotten is swarm hoarding uh, hordes, uh, billions of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And then moving with intent. Okay, so from scorpions, let's talk about scorpions a little bit. The scorpion that John would have had in mind. It kind of freaked me out as I d- did the study for this because <laughs> in English, this particular type of scorpion is called 
a Death Stalker. Oh, good. Is that not the most metal good. name ever for a bug? <laughs> There's a band somewhere called the oh, Death Oh, absolutely. 100%. And so we're dealing with uh, a pretty pretty rough critter here. Yeah. If its name is Death Stalker. Um, so these Death Stalkers, if, you, if an adult gets stung by one, and I read a guy... Uh, and you're welcome to read that, that this description if you look just look on Wikipedia. Right. Uh, he describes. He said this first thing that happened after he was stung was um, that it was like every synapse in his body started firing, and it felt like he was on fire. Mm-hmm. It's like all over his body felt like he was burning, and this goes on for a couple of hours, and then once it moved from kind of the outer part of his body where he felt like he was on fire, it started causing cramps and stuff in his internals and he said i wished i would die oh no and this is an adult human being getting stung by one of these death stalkers if it if it kills um a um if, if it stings rather a child or someone that already has a pre-existing condition they will die it will sting kill and consume family pets like a rover it can eat it Goodness. So the the venom in these guys is over the top. Um, they uh, hide. They, they but the, I think the the tail of a scorpion is the part you want to. If you look at a scorpion, you know it's got the, the pincers on the right. front, and it, it may pinch you, and you go ow. And, but that's not the part you got to work for. You got you got to watch for that tail that strikes. Right. Um, and so the venom in, in the things. Are, so it's described as. There's hordes of them, but they're given power like the powers of scorpions on the earth. So scorpions, uh, they hide in dark places. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in the military, um, stationed at 29 Palms, California, which is out in the desert, one of the things you quickly learn to do is when you're putting on any clothes or you're putting on your boots, you check it first for scorpions. Because if they don't, if they found a nice little nook in your pocket or in your pants leg that you had laid on the ground... Um, they don't want to be surprised by your foot coming into it, and so they w- will attack. Right. And so lots of guys got stung by these. And the American scor- scorpions were not death stalkers, um, but um, it, you'd, it was like a bee sting. And so you learn pretty quick that before you put a shoe on, you always shook it out. You always turned your pants inside out and shook them and then turned them back inside in and, and put them on. So, so you've got sneakiness. You've got... Uh, you've got the the pain of the tail. You've got the the fact that it it just causes this. Like I said, the, it felt like the whole body was on fire. And so, then we go on further in the description, and we read. Uh, so they were allowed to torment for um, five months, and they were only allowed to torment those who did not have the seal of God on their forehead. So this is a callback. Remember, we talked about how the scenes are going to move backwards and forwards. Right. It's, this is a callback to chapter 7 where the 144,000 and then the people who would get saved from the preaching of the 144,000, that they are sealed in their forehead. Now, we talked about um, that you as a believer and I as a believer are sealed to the day of redemption. I think it's interesting here that it's specific to their forehead because, uh, and we briefly talked about this when we were dealing with chapter 7, the way uh, a person can be tormented with their thoughts is amazing. Yeah. I had a year or so ago a person who uh, is a member in law of the church. They they don't go to church here, but they're they're in the community, and they've got family that come here, and and, and I I know them well. Well, they called me. Uh, and said, um, hey, we need you to come to our house, and and we've just moved into this house, and it's haunted. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, obviously, you know, th- there's some theological issues with thinking that a house is haunted, but <laughs> I, I said, sure, you know, I'll come over. And uh, th- this lady goes on to describe how she, you know, sitting in her living room, she could hear things moving around, uh, that she would catch movement out of the corner of her eye, and... Uh, as she's talking to me, it's clear that we've probably gone the two weeks that they've lived there with maybe an hour sleep here or there, but she hadn't slept much, and she's totally freaked out. Right. 
So I, I say to her, okay, first of all, there, there's no such thing as ghosts. The Bible makes it really clear to be absent from the bodies, to be present with God. So if somebody dies, if they're a believer, they go to heaven. If, if they're, uh, they're not a believer, what we read in Luke 16, as Jesus is describing the death of a believer and a non-believer, the rich man also died and in hell lifted his eyes being in torments. And so immediately following death, he met his eternal damnation. Yeah, there is no, there's no there's, in between. That there's gets no a lot of, getting stuck. There's a lot of mix up with different belief systems and religions that kind of teach that. But everything we see in scripture, and if we're using scripture as our, uh, again, I, I've heard multiple say the best commentator for scripture or for scripture is usually scripture, right? Uh, and, and so that we don't we don't see any in between states here. So, if there's no such thing as ghosts, there are such thing as demons. And what I told her was, is now demons in the Bible, we, we, the examples that we see, the way demons are described, and, and certainly there's, there's some room in there because that no book of the Bible is, okay, I'm going to teach you all about demons. Right. Uh, so we're, we're, we're pulling from different stories and different things. But what we do know about demons is what they want to torment is not houses. They want to torment people. Yeah. That Satan and his hordes hate humanity. They hate humanity, A, because we are made in the image of God, and they hate God. He has the one who kicked them out of heaven. He's the one who has, uh, they, though they try to play games and, and, and trick God, as we see in the book of Job, uh, God's not going to get taken. Um, he, we see as Jesus interacts with demons that they obey, even if not willingly. Um, they want to torment people. And so what I told her was, is look, here's the reality. There's no ghosts in this house, yeah. and this house is a is just a bunch of old trees and some rock that has been crushed up with water mixed in it and some metal, and that's all that this house is. In your head, though, the enemy can attack, mm -hmm. and he can torment you in your head, and he's done that. You, you, you. I'm looking at you, ma'am, and you look like the Dickens, because you haven't slept, you, you're worried about this. And so what I want to do is not walk around this house and anoint the house with oil and write crazy stuff over the doors. What I want to do is pray over you. Yeah. And so um, we did. We, we laid hands on her. We prayed for her. We, we talked with her about her, uh, the way she's following Jesus and her eternal existence. Um, but the fact that they're sealed in their forehead. If, if I'm a Christian and I'm follow, following Jesus and I'm already being persecuted and now all of a sudden there's these demon hordes released on the earth, it's going to be pretty hard for me to keep my wits about me. Yeah. And so I think that the idea of being sealed in the forehead is that, that God's saying he's going to help them in their thoughts and in the way that they perceive things, that they're going to, be, they're, they're going to have this chapter that we're reading now. Yeah. To be able to go to and go, ah, oh, this is what's going on. Yeah. Everybody else is going to know this is a condemnation from God. And if they're smart enough to, to open the book, that they, they would have the same thing. These guys can read, and they can read how the story ends. They, they'll know that it's only five months long. Mm -hmm. They'll know that they're not allowed to harm them. And so that's going to calm them. That's going to seal them in their thoughts. I mean, if I'm sitting in church and half of the congregation is getting attacked by grasshoppers, I'm going to just assume I'm next. Yeah. I mean, it's going to freak me out, yeah. right? They see here, they see in this text that they can, the same book that you're holding in your hand, they can read, A, and B, that God's sealing them so that they can rest in him. So here's, there's some joy. Yeah, We're looking for there. joy in the midst of a bunch of, there's some joy that God cares enough about his children to where he seals them in their thoughts. Because, um, I would say ninety percent of the battles in her head. Oh yeah, for sure. And again, if somebody if and I'm not I'm not the smartest person or the most logical, but I try to be. And if anybody says because again, one of these the, the whole mark and the seal is one where people would like to camp out and uh, and I've got four tattoos and I like them. But I'm not getting sealed or tattooed on my forehead. Like I'm not. I'm going to choose not to do that. The seal of God's going to be with me and give me peace in my mind. If I was in this situation, uh, that that can I, that makes a lot more logical sense to me rather than you know I'm going to have uh, seven like seven seven. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, well, I'm going to have, I felt like a little kid, like I'm like a little uh, like I did my homework or got my report card signed back, and boom, I get a little stamp on my forehead. Like that's I don't know if that's exactly how it's going to work. No, I I, I don't think so. They're sealed, and and again, 
everybody gets wrapped around that. And when we get to the mark of the beast, everybody's going to get wrapped around what exactly that is. And I want you to re- remember that believers today are sealed to the day of redemption. Yes. So we're sealed now. And I don't have any, I can't, there's no physical indication of my salvation that that happened when I got saved. I didn't have all of a sudden a tattoo come up. I didn't yeah. have a scar come up. I don't. <laughs> I didn't get a barcode all of a sudden. No, no, so God yeah. can like check his inventory. Like that's not how it worked. <laughs> Boop. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're oh, in. Yeah. You got it. You're, you're here. Okay. That was a really good barcode scanner sign, by the way. That was very good. <laughs> very lifelike. <laughs> And ladies and gentlemen, that's that. That was not a uh, a a sound effect. That was right <laughs> out of my mouth. All right. So these these uh, locust scorpion critters are not allowed to torment. Uh, they were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And as I said, reading the first person account of a person who was stung, I thought it was really interesting that this guy said, I wished I was dead. And mm. that's exactly what these people say. Now, that's going to lead to what we were just saying about the seal being something in your head. Is Are these literal, physical scorpion locust things or is this some kind of mass pandemonium that's in people's heads is this a huge mind game because as we could talk about in dealing with with individuals who have dealt with mental issues or just anxiety and day-to-day stuff like a lot of the battles that we fight are in our head and the things late at night or 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 things that talk to us or we're alone or whatever can lead us to do really to i say really dumb but to lead us to make really rash and and detrimental decisions to people whether it be suicide or self-harm or whatever and and some of those are by trauma and things that people have been through but sometimes it's just like me alone with my thoughts or sometimes a dangerous spot and can take me to a place where it's not god honoring i'm i'm now moved into thinking and working out of fear or out of anxiety out of those things rather than living in the truth and walking in the spirit and it leads to a really tough place where a lot of people can make a, a lot of really rash and detrimental decisions absolutely in, fa- in fact i will say that that right now as we're we're recording this podcast we're uh, you know in a post-covid world and it amazes me the mental health issues that mental health professionals and and folks like me who who, who try to are trying to help people uh just because of the isolation and the fact that a lot of our older folks are are feeling like because they they're 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 being told if you leave home you're going to die. Yeah. And so um I've had multiple conversations with people who are now now that we're 6 7 months into this feeling like I'm of no value because you know what I've been staying at home for 6 months and nobody really cares. Yeah. And so that's that's the enemy getting in their we're head. We're essentially already dead. Yeah, it's, it's right. So what's the? Why don't I just take my own life? Right. Yeah. The the, the suicide rates and things like that have you've seen a significant spike in what's going on because, again, isolation, alone with your thoughts, things from the you know. And I'm not again. That's not, this is not blaming the media or whatever, but being told a lot of things that is scary and concerning. Oh yeah. Well, guess what? I start to think about life in a scary and concerning way because that's what I'm hearing and. Uh, and again, you just when you get alone with your thoughts, and a lot and a lot of people, and, and me self admitting this, it can be a really dangerous spot. So, uh, some are, want to argue that this is, uh, you know, military stuff, and then some on the other end of the spectrum want to argue that this is just a cultural mass hysteria. And I, I think from John's description, and he's going to continue to go into description of these locust things, that there is some kind of physical manifestation of this, right. that there's literally hordes of critters that yes. are flying around. And um, I, I, his description is very, um, as we get into it and dig into it, you're going to see that there's a lot of symbolism there. But I think this is what they look like, and it can be both, Yeah. Um, that, that this isn't just in people's head. It, 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 there's something going on here, and it, 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 you think it's weird at this point, but it gets even weirder. He says, in appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. What does that even mean? On their heads were what looks like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair like a woman's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hunt people for five months is in their tails. 
They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, and his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he is called Apollyon. What the heck? Yeah, this is this is nuts. If you go, and I'm not going to recommend this, but if you <laughs> Google uh, Abaddon, there are some folks who are very creative who have tried to draw this description, and if there's not a metal band named Abaddon. <laughs> Uh, that's that's that this is on their T-shirt. And that's the album. Crazy. That's the album cover. That's the album cover. Yeah. In fact, when when I was teaching on this a little while ago, uh, a few years ago, uh, Brian, who is the media guy here at the church, uh, downloaded one of those pictures and printed out and put it in my office for staff meeting that week. <laughs> because and it was like, dude, this this album cover, I can hear this band. This is so metal. I, I mean, I can hear the band. Okay. Double bass kick drum out no. the wazoo, like nonstop. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, this is Papa Roach <laughs> meat. I mean, it's just, I can I can hear it. I can hear Abaddon. <laughs> Dude, have you heard Abaddon's new album? No. Sure thing, man. <laughs> okay, so. Don't play it backwards, though. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm done. No, okay, no, I'm, no. Done. I'm done. I'm done. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. So, if you listen to this description, though, okay, so I, I think this is what they look like. So, but also, each one of these has significance. So, they look like horses prepared for battle. So, they, they have armor of some type. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and as you struggle with this description, just think in your mind, how would you describe an armadillo? Okay, so, uh, possum with armor. <laughs> and so, you, John is trying to describe some critter he's never seen before. So, yeah. if you, if you go, go and look at how in first century... Uh, Rome, how horses were armored. It gets crazy how they try. These horses look like submarines. I mean, they've got <laughs> chainmail hanging off of them. You're like, how does this horse even walk with all this stuff? So they're armored. They're and and they're well protected because you got to figure, no matter how strong a horse is, if you can run up with a sword and cut its legs off, it's just going to lay there. Yeah, well, and it also says you know breastplates of iron and stuff like that. So I mean, like they're covered up, and I mean it's it's they're ready for something. I, there's a uh, uh, Instagram account that's called Nature is Metal that I've gotten kind of uh, addicted to, and uh, they were looking at a particular type of lizard that recently scientists have been able to figure out that underneath its skin it actually has like a endo exoskeleton uh. that underneath its skin it has this like uh, honeycomb mesh that protects it from anything being able to pierce. Anything other than that outermost layer of skin, it's literally internally armored. Armor, yeah. And so this thing can get in, and I, I don't remember if it was a Komodo dragon, but it's some critter that looked like that. This one was a little bit different. It, tail could whip. Because in, in, on the Instagram account, Nature is Metal, it had a fight between a leopard and one of these lizards, and the lizard held its own. Oh. I mean, he's a whack, whack, slapping the, 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 the leopard in, in the face with his tail, and so it's armor. That's that's what we can get from the horse arrayed in, in armor. And horses in this time frame had a lot of armor. So yeah. you're not going to be able to take the fly swatter and kill these locusts. No. <laughs> uh, the sticks and blankets are not going to cut it. On their head were crowns of gold. So, A, um, in appearance, it looked looked like they got something on their head, which is not super uncommon. I mean, again, if you, if you go out and you look at some of God's creation— it's fairly common for there to be um, to look like something else. I mean, there, there's you know, you look at a, a, a stick bugs, or mm-hmm. so there's something on its head that gives the appearance of a crown. But that also shows the authority that these things have. You're not just going to run them off. You're not going to be able to get online and get on eBay and get some kind of sonic thing that's going to keep them out. Yeah. They go where they want to go. Kings well, didn't have to ask. And John, and, and John again, he says crown because he recognizes something that, A, looks like a crown, but B, probably gives that same sort of significance that a crown gives. Right. Right, and so kings don't have to ask for permission to go anywhere. Yeah. They want to go in there, they go in there. And if you want to get yourself dead, you question that. Mm-hmm. And so they, they have some on their head that looks gold, but they also, so their face was like a human face. Now, commentators really go overboard with what this means, and I really think it's kind of funny that they do because clearly they don't own a dog. <laughs> It's really normal for animals to have human-like expressions. Yeah. Okay, so I've got this dog, uh, 
that I have a, a love-hate relationship with. His name is Gus. Um, and this dog, no matter how much I punish him, no matter how much I reward him, uh, digs. <laughs> and I will come home sometimes, and I know I haven't seen where the dog has dug, but I'll walk in the door, and he's got mud on his paws and face, <laughs> and he'll have this look on his face like, I am so sorry. <laughs> And you can read the shame and the that man. I, I got a problem. <laughs> I don't know why I do this. And I will go look around in the yard, and sure enough, I'll find where he's he's dug up a flower bed, or he's one one time he dug up the, before we bought the house. It had a sprinkler system, and he found one of those pipes, and he could not stop until that entire run was exposed. Of, was yeah. exposed, right. and he'd pulled it out someplace else in the yard. Yes, and and he looked on his face. It was it's so human like. It's like, dude, I am so sorry. While the while the sprinkler system is in his mouth chewing on it, he looks up and goes, ah. This was a bad decision. (laughs) Look, call somebody. I need help. (laughs) I can't stop. And so lots of animals have human-like expressions. You can teach a dog to smile and do all those, show its teeth, and all all those kind of things. Sure, sure. And so we see it has a a face like a human in that the malice and anger and evil is apparent. Mm. And so if you, again, Nature's Metal, I love that Instagram account. And this this section is brought to you by Nature's Metal. Nature's Metal. You can look at the picture of a leopard or any predator animal Mm -hmm. when they are hunting, and it just looks like, I'm glad that that animal is a continent away from me. I'm glad that I'm watching this on TV. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I watched a... uh, uh, a video over the weekend that was called The Eternal Enemies, and it was a documentary that was looking at the relationship between lions and hyenas. Ooh. Apparently they hate each other. If they find the young, if, if hyenas find the young of a lion, they'll kill it. They won't eat it. They'll just kill it. Oh. Same thing, if lions come across a single hyena, they will just kill it. They hate each other. And in this, there were several times where the mother lioness would come back to her her where her cubs were, and she'd find them dead. And the on her face, you could just see, I'm about to mess some hyenas up. <laughs> I, I just, it does have to be those hyenas. It's the next hyena. I'm like again, it's not the same thing. But again, whenever like my mom would ever get mad, I don't okay, you care. Just took this. I don't care what child it is. The next yes, one I see is right. getting beat. <laughs> I don't. I it does not matter who did it or whatever. The next one that crosses me is getting tore up. And so all the commentators that really want to kind of jump off the ledge and what John is saying by saying they have the face of a human, just calm down. You've seen animals, and you know exactly what he's saying. Yeah. That you can look at these these critters in their face, and you can see the malevolence, the anger, the hatred, the fact that they are out to torment humans. And so... Uh, they have faces like were like human faces. Their hair was like a woman's hair. So, um, again, commentators love to talk about how they're strangely beautiful. Um, I, I don't think that's what he's going for here. Yeah. I, I think that we're looking more like uh, crazy, disheveled. Mangy. I don't know what women you're around. Well, I mean, be careful saying. here. You said crazy and disheveled. Um, I see. I was thinking more like the. Uh, um, Snow White, the witch, her hair, how her hair is all, you know, in the moose, it's all there, or or Medusa, you know, okay. that, that kind of thing. But see, that would be hair like a snake. Regardless, the the creature has some kind of mane coming off its head with the gold around the top, and uh, it, it's it's again showing this rage, this this uh, craziness. Um, their teeth are like a lion's teeth. There is are few things in this world that are are more intimidating than looking at the fangs on a lion, even when he's yawning. Just being around it, like when I'm going to the zoo, that's like, man, that is just a cat that I that is just so that thing is bigger than I am, and I just want no part of that. Those dudes in on the circus that would put their head no. in the lion's mm-hmm. mouth. No way. I'm out. No. Uh, that is a wild animal that may forget that you gave it a treat That's last week. No way. That is just dumb. Because it, it could sneeze and you're decapitated. Circus, circus people could not get paid that much. No. Like it's just there's no way. I mean, seriously, if you've ever been to the circus, it, it's almost like they're getting paid in palm malls. Okay. 
<laughs> you get paid nice. You get paid snow cones that they give out. And, they, and again, now, I would work for funnel cake. Good snow cones and funnel cake, but I am not sticking my hand in a crocodile. I'm not sticking my head in a line. I'm not doing nope, that. Nope. That they have not printed enough money to make me do that. <laughs> I, we will give you all the money. Nope. Because you, you can't use it because you're going to be dead. <laughs> That's right. You have a pancake for a cranium. Well, again, the line could sneeze and you're done. <laughs> And, and who wants to, you know, I, I don't believe that St. Peter's at the gate, but who wants to show up to St. Peter and be like, yeah, I was, uh, uh, the line had and, a cold. And Peter starts like, we know. We, <laughs> uh, we, we, we know. We got it. We saw. Uh, so, I, I, again, it doesn't get any, John is painting a picture of something that is just sheer intimidation. Yeah. In a small package that there are billions of. And even in our best mind, there's no way we could piece together something that makes sense of any of this. In terms of something like I can picture and point as like, oh, it's this. Like I can't, I can't do that. Alexis, when you post this, please Google <laughs> up, uh, Abalon and put this image on the the uh, the front of the, this podcast. <laughs> um, their teeth are like a lion's teeth, and they had a breastplate like a breastplate of iron. Again, they're armored in such a way that you can't just sm- swat them. Yeah. Um, I, I remember. Uh, I went on a mission trip to inner city Philadelphia. Ooh. And uh, the the missionary, the, the, the guy that we were working with, and I want to say it was with Child Evangelism Fellowship, had somehow worked it out where there was a public school that had been uh, – they had, they closed it down and and you know consolidated some schools or something and this group had bought that school and they had not done anything to it and we that was where we slept and so cool. there 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 are school desks thrown everywhere and uh, the, the the bathrooms when they'd moved out were were not cleaned uh, it, this place was pretty ratty and I, that night uh, I was walking to the bathroom in the middle of the night to to go to go to the restroom and I had on those. Um, you know, those old men leather slippers with, like, half, half things. Yeah. So yeah. I just had some, like, slip-on shoes, and I saw this roach that was the size of a small dog. No, and, I'm and out. stepped on it. I was like, oh, this is a huge roach, and stepped on it. And when I took my foot off, rather than seeing what I expected as a squished bug, <sighs> it ran. I'm like, I just put my full 185 pounds on top of this thing, and it's like, my name is Vinny. You think you're smart. I'm going to get my friends. I'm going to get my friends. <laughs> this is my place. <laughs> so he laughed off me. So that that's the image John's trying to give us here, that these things are not going to be stopped with ease or with strength. You are powerless against them. Yeah. And, and that, the, the fact that there's hordes of them, coupled with this description and the fact that we know that we're powerless with them, I don't think there's a more intimidating creature ever described yeah, i mean that word hordes no, i've never not that i can think of that does not bring a good connotation with it like the context of the word hordes never is positive no 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 it, and if you think about it okay so we've talked about lions are scary looking which is why at the zoo we put two or three fences a big moat like a foot and a half of glass yeah we put lots of things between us we figured out how to protect ourselves from them uh, shark Week, if you watch that, sharks look scary. The yep. fact that they can unhinge their jaw to fit you inside of them is scary. But you know what their their kryptonite is? Land. <laughs> if if there's a whole bunch of sharks, you just go, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to build a sandcastle today. And, and you know what? They can't do a thing about it. <laughs> they could sit on they, – they're not going to crawl up on the beach and get me. The fact that these are flying hordes – that are indestructible, that is intimidating. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to hide. And so you you have this image that John has painted of a scary-looking thing. There are billions and billions of them flying around. They have intent. They have malice. And there's no way for you to get away from them. Mm. I mean, uh, I've read that the White House... Uh, has always dealt with a mouse problem, <laughs> which is kind of funny because in all of our security and all of our thinking that we, you know, we got this under control, these little these little mice have figured out how to get where. Because I guarantee you, if you or I were to jump the fence at the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania, you're not going to get far. No, no, you get close to the fence and and you get and you get yelled at. Like you go, you start bang, banging on it, beating on it, sticking your hands through it, you'll get in trouble. Right. So, but this little mouse just kind of trots in like 
this is my place. Who's who's the guy in the suit? Like you can see snipers, and then there's snipers that you don't even you Absolutely. have no idea where they're at or what they're doing. And again, also another thing, I want no part of <laughs> none. So here you have these little things that can get anywhere. You can't come up with security. Yeah. Your money's not going to keep you from get them getting at you. Your power's not going to keep them from getting at where you. Where you live, what kind of house you're in, it don't matter. So. We're going to have to stop there with Abaddon and Apollyon, but John has painted a picture of something that, oh, dear Lord, I do not want to mess with. Yeah, it takes that the woe to a whole different level because, like, even, and it's not the same word, it's not the same wordage or phrasing, but, like, so, oof, I, I just want, again, this is just, this this is, this is bad. This is, and it just gets worse. And then John ends that description with, the first woe is pass. Look, there are two more woes still to come. <sighs> And so we will leave you with that, and next week we'll take up uh, Revelation chapter 9 with the other two woes. Um, Go serve your king. Thank you guys again for joining us on this week's episode of Not Another Revelation Podcast. You can join us live in person each Sunday at North Linko Baptist Church at 10 a.m., or you can go to our website, northlinko.org, to watch our live stream or check out our other podcasts, ministry information, past sermons, and past worship service. Thank you guys for tuning in.